As you know, we've been looking into God's Word about words and about the power of the Word and the Word of His power. And what a wonderful study it's been. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Now we're looking at the life of Jesus and His words and what He said about His words. And again, it just inspires us to understand how powerful our words are, how powerful His Word is. Looking into Luke 4 here, we have where Jesus went into the synagogue. Was there custom that one another would read the scripture from time to time and they handed it to him because he was, well, they, they handed it to him whatever the, for whatever the reason. And he opened it to Isaiah and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Wow. He could have read anything. He could have read, he could have chosen any scripture, but this, of course, was written about him. And he says about this, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Now, if you read the commentaries and stuff, there was in the synagogue always a chair that they had set apart waiting for Messiah to come. And some of the commentaries believe that when he closed closed the book, he went and he sat down in that chair and he said, today that scripture is fulfilled in your ears. So they understood who he was. Look at what it says there in verse 22. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And then, of course, they said, isn't this Joseph's son? Now, they knew where he had grown up, so uh, how could he be Messiah, you know, kind of stuff. But they understood the significance of him reading that scripture and declaring that that day that scripture was fulfilled in his ears. Those are wonderful words, aren't they? The words that... Give, bring us hope. Bring hope to every heart, actually. Anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Usually in, in those days, the rich were the ones who got the benefit. The, you, know, you understand? The rich were the people of uh, favor and uh, privilege. You know, usually the privilege went to, to those who were wealthy. They got to be the leaders of the community. Information flowed through them. People of importance didn't spend a lot of time with the poor. You understand? And I mean, we have some of that in our world too. But it was more pronounced, I think, in in Jesus' day. And so his he he says his mission is to bring the gospel to the poor. <laughs> that was good news for for the poor. That's for sure. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Who cares about brokenhearted people? Usually, they're just Avoided, I guess is the right word to say. Avoid people who are, are brokenhearted because, well, you're around them, they have a need and you have to minister to that need. He said, no, I'm, I, I came to heal the brokenhearted. And wow, what a, what a powerful piece that is. What good news that is. Again, it's such good news. And to proclaim liberty to the captives. Again, good news. Captives to what? Not captives to Herod or captives to Rome so much. 
but captives to sin and to evil, to, to, to strongholds that the enemy has gripped onto people's lives. I've come to set to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. Again, that was a hopeless cause. When someone was blind, they pretty much they just became a beggar. Um, there was nothing else for them to do. And so he's talking about recovering sight to the blind. Wow. Set at liberty those who are oppressed. Oppression is a very real thing, isn't it? And we have many, many people, and sometimes we're subject to it ourselves, where there's oppression that comes against us. But we have Savior, and we have the Holy Spirit, and to set us at liberty, to, to remove that oppression from us. So when we're oppressed, we don't have to be embarrassed about that. We have to say, we have to say, I, I, I need you to agree with me. I need it. I, I, Jesus came to set me free from this oppression. I don't want, I don't want to line up with this oppression. Again, it has sometimes to do with our words. Maybe we've made an agreement with something um, by our negative, by our negative words and negative confessions. And sometimes that opens the door to oppression. Not that, not that, that was our intent. We, we didn't start out with that intent. And that's why it's so important for us to listen to what we're saying and how we're saying things. Because sometimes when we confess things negatively and, and expect the worst, we're actually opening the door to oppression and to depression and to some of these things. And so we have to guard. We have to, we have to be on guard to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So he's saying here is the day has come, and, and Messiah is here. And it's, wow, what a day of visitation it was for the people who lived right then, who grasped it, who understood, who latched onto it. And, of course, this is the beginning of his ministry. He said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here. And he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you, truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent, except to Zarephath in the region of Zidon, to a woman who was a widow. And why was that? Because she believed, didn't she? She, she, when he said, make me, make me something, Uh, first, she said, I'm making my last meal. He said, make me something first. And she did. And she was provided for. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. And why was that? Because his servant girl came and said, there's a prophet in Israel. And Naaman was humble enough to go and to seek it out and to say, what do I have to do? And he was healed as a result of it, right? So again, there we see, as I've expressed to you many times, God's part on our part. They, 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 we have to respond. We have to step forward. God meets us way above and beyond our little step forward. But that, that our little step forward is important as far as us believing and doing whatever little thing that we he shows us to do. And so all those in the synagogue, when they heard those things, look at, look at their response. Again, see, it's a choice. It's always a choice. They were filled with, what does your Bible say? It's amazing. They were filled with wrath. They were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. 
And they led him into the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Why, why was that their response? Because they understood. They understood what he was saying. And they couldn't accept it. Wow. We always have a choice. Sometimes we understand the truth and it hurts and we reject it. Push it over the cliff, so to speak. We have a choice. We don't have to embrace the truth. But it'll come back again. <laughs> truth kind of has a way of doing that. And so they understood that Jesus was saying that he was Messiah sent from heaven and it was their day of opportunity. And they rejected that, blatant, blatant out, flat out. They were full of wrath and they wanted to, they wanted to kill him. They, they, they tried to, to take him up on a cliff, push him over. You know, we, we kind of read that quickly sometimes and you don't stop and think about it. This is an attempt on his life. He's just starting out and it's, wow, something, huh? Anyway, you know, we, we do see that constantly the reaction to the gospel message and to the truth of God's word. As far as unbelievers go, there's that it, they either reject it or accept it, right? And it's not like usually a, a lot of gray area. It's either they, they embrace it or they don't, one or the other. So we must always make sure, because we always have to make it personal for our own hearts, because it's only our own heart that we have any control over and for our own heart that we're always willing to embrace the truth and bow at God's word and accept it and let Jesus be God in our lives. All right. Well, then, of course, we go on. It says this in a couple of the Gospels. I'll stay in Luke 4 with you. Then he went to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now, you have to understand, in those days, the rabbis, they would read a scripture, like Jesus read that day in the synagogue. Then they would say, then they would, would go into this. Well, this um, wise rabbi said that this could be one of the interpretations of, of this. But this one over here said, this could be the interpretation. And I think, and, and so it was, it was just kind of a... <laughs> spontaneous commentary you understand it was it wasn't you know you get help when you hear this is the way walk in it this is god's truth embrace it it's like oh okay that's helpful (laughs) but when you hear well maybe this or maybe that or maybe the other thing eeny meeny miny mo which way should i go it's not helpful (laughs) right it's kind of it's kind of confusing and so (laughs) So here comes Jesus, and they were astonished at his teaching because he wasn't doing that. He spoke as one having authority, and he said, this is what the scripture means. I came to fulfill it. <laughs> I'm the fulfillment, and this is what it, what it says, and this is what it means. And, and he was in, in opening their eyes to understand scripture. That was, that was way different. And, and isn't it wonderful that even though we don't have Jesus physically, we have that same privilege by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have that same teacher to say, this is, this is the truth. This is, this is what this means. Walk in it. Wow. That's wonderful. Praise God. And so 
his word, we're, studying, we're talking about the word, and it says this a number of times here. He taught them as one having authority, and they were astonished at his teaching. His word was with authority. And then in Luke 4, let's see, well, I'll just read from 31. And then he went down to Capernaum, I, I read that to you already, and they were astonished at his word. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of unclean demon. Now we see here that, again, many times through Jesus' ministry that he goes to the synagogue when he comes into town because that was where the Jewish leaders met. And, of course, he was trying to bring the gospel message, the message, reveal who he was to them. That was his mission. And um, in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And um, he was in the synagogue. So that's just, that's just um, to say that to encourage us that, you know, sometimes there are people in the church that are dealing with demonic stuff. And that's not a surprise, that we should be surprised by that. He had an unclean spirit. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know you, who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. And then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is! For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Wow. What an example, huh? Number one, he didn't want the, the, he didn't want, he didn't need the, uh, devil to be identifying him who he was. He didn't need that testimony and he didn't want it. So he tells, be quiet and come out of him. He always silenced the voice of the devil. And we need to learn that we are going to have to do the same thing. We need to know the difference between the voice of God and the voice of the devil. And if we're not careful, it can sound similar. Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in the midst, okay, and so they saw that, that Jesus had authority and that his word was powerful. You know, even when Jesus was tempted, when it, it relates to us about his temptation, it was with the word that he rebuked, that, that he overcame the temptation. We need to use the word against the devil and know the difference between the voice of the devil and the voice of God. And, you know, he comes as an angel of light. The Bible tells us that. He can come as an angel of light with a very sweet tone. In our mind, that's how it happens. It happens in our mind, in our heart, in our thoughts. And he can come with a very sweet-sounding voice. And we have to watch out. We have to make sure that it's lining up with the God's, God's word. And even then... We have to test it because we see that, that the enemy knows the word of God, doesn't he? And he knows how to take it and twist it to mean something that it shouldn't mean or something that it doesn't mean. And so we have to be very careful. That's why the Holy Spirit, we need to be infilled with the Holy Spirit continually. We need that infilling of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing else in our lives that is going to keep us as we walk, try to walk with God, aside from the infilling of the Holy Spirit. There just, there just isn't. When you think back in your own life to what made the difference, what made the difference 
in your ability to walk with God and please him, it has to always come back to the point where there was the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Salvation was a choice to follow God, to become a part of his family, and that was that was good. You were blessed, and of course, the Holy Spirit is at work in your heart right then and there when, when we accept Jesus as Savior. But if you really think about it, it's at that point where there's been the infilling of the Holy Spirit that suddenly there's in your own heart a desire, a different different desires. I don't want to displease the Lord. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. There's some a sensitivity that comes that isn't there until that infilling takes place. And so the wonderful thing is that, as I say to you all the time, we have this wonderful resource available to us 24-7. Every day we can open our hearts and say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in my heart. Come and fill me anew and afresh today with your Holy Spirit. Teach me your word. Help me to walk in your word in wisdom and to rightly divide the word of truth. And we have that available to us 24-7. What a wonderful resource. And we need to make sure that we're tapping into it and accessing it. I just wanted to pause long enough in Matthew 8. We have the story, and this story is repeated in a couple of the Gospels also, about Peter's mother-in-law being healed. And afterwards, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. Hmm. With a word. And healed all who were sick. So we see here the power of his word. And I believe if we would be diligent to be more spirit-filled, our words could be as powerful as Jesus' words were. And so it gives us something to strive for, doesn't it? We haven't arrived there yet, but we have, a, we have the resource. And so let's get more filled with the Spirit that when we rebuke the, the enemy, he, he goes. And it does say, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The same story is told in Luke 4 also. And it says, and he rebuking them did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Again, the devil knows the truth oftentimes. But again, Jesus doesn't want the advertisement of the devil or the witness of the devil. He doesn't need that. And neither do we. (laughs) And so again, we have to be careful because there are many voices in this world. They're not all from God. And we have to be extremely careful. All right, and then... Jesus is calling his disciples. And Luke, this is later on in, in Luke, oh, Luke 5. And so it was in the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. They came to hear the word of God. They recognized in Jesus that he had the word of God. That's, that's good. That's what people should recognize in us. That, as, that when, we, when we speak to them, that we have the word of God abiding in us. And we're not just spouting off. We're not just uh, giving our opinion or pontificating or whatever you want to call it. But we're actually bringing word of life. It's the word of life that ministers to people's hearts and brings them life. And so um, the crowd was great and he saw two boats and so he gets in a boat and he asks the fisherman Simon to row out a little from the land so he can stand in the boat 
and talk to more people can hear him. Oh, he said he sat down in the boat and and taught from the boat. And when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, "Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch." But Simon said to him, "Master, we have toiled all night and haven't caught one fish." <laughs> Nevertheless, what? At your word. Now he had he had noticed something about this man's words that they were a bit more powerful than anybody else's. <laughs> and so he says he throws in this clause, you know, we fished all night, we didn't we didn't catch even one fish. But you know, as he's saying it probably he's hearing the words come out of his mouth, he's thinking, Yeah, but this guy is telling me to do this. Maybe I better <laughs> maybe I better do this. And so he says, Okay, never mind that at your word I will, that's a, always a good good option, okay? Sometimes we resist when we hear God's instruction to our heart. Let's be honest. Sometimes we hear it and we go, mm, nope, not going there. I tried that already. That, that, that doesn't work for me. And then we go, hmm, all right, but that's what God's saying to me. So, okay, <laughs> maybe I better try it. <laughs> and that's, that's something we have to learn. That's a learning process. We don't we don't learn that overnight. We learn that as we walk with God. We learn that as He gives us opportunity again and again. So we're all in this learning process together, right? None of us have arrived and got it all down perfect. We still are all struggling along, making mistakes, bumbling around sometimes. And but God is patient with us and He keeps on. He doesn't throw us out, thank God. We keep on walking with him. You know what happens, okay? When 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 we when we when we obey, when we take God's word and we say, Yes, Lord, <laughs> yes, Lord, as he finally did here. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Oh. <laughs> All the fish kind of jumped in their net. Yeah, that at God's word. So they so they signaled to their partners. And when Simon Peter saw, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O oh Lord. He saw. He saw his own need. And that's what happens when we, when we bow, when we receive God's word, we bow at it, we say, I'm unworthy. I don't deserve, but because of Jesus, because of Calvary, he placed that worth on us, didn't he? And he's, and Jesus says to him, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to catch men, not just, not just fish. Then we're going to jump forward a little bit to the story in Mark 2, where it says that Jesus preached the word to them. And here we have a story about how they brought um, someone to Jesus. Jesus says to this man, your sins are forgiven you. Oh, now the Jews hear him say that. Those words were, as far as they were concerned, blasphemous because no one could forgive sins but God. <laughs> so they were, they were really having a problem with that. And Jesus points out to them, well... What's the difference? If, if, if I say to a man, stand up and, a lame man, stand up and walk, and he stands up and walks, that's evidence that that's the work of God. So what's the difference if I say, your sins are forgiven you? Only God can do both of those things. So he was trying to, you know, he was trying to get it into their cranium. Hello? <laughs> I am. 
I am the God. I am the fulfillment. I am Jesus. I am the Messiah. And they, they didn't like that either. They, they, they didn't like that. So again, you know, again we see, and we, we see this especially, uh, I mean, you can, you see it many places, but, um, when you go through the book of John, and I, we did that not too, too long ago, how you see always that, that divide. Some believe, some don't believe. Some say, this has to be Messiah. Others say, this guy is just a blasphemer, and they, they reject it because, again, remember, you know, they had the mindset. They had the mindset that when Messiah came, he's going to get rid of Herod, which, remember I told you, the influence of Herod was dominant over their their land, okay? The, Herod's palace, he had more than one of them, and every place they went, they could see his, his palace, and... Uh, Soldiers marched, and if they needed something to be carried, they could compel them to carry it, and and they were under that oppression of the Roman rule continually. And they understood that when Messiah came, they were going to be the reigning nation. They were going to take over the whole world, and that was their understanding of what Messiah would do. And Jesus came to be king of their hearts instead. And so that was a hard, hard thing to get through. And you know, sometimes if we're honest again, truth be told, we have an idea about what God means and how he's going to fulfill it in our lives when he's talking about something a little different or maybe very different. And so, you know, we can we can say, man, they were really really blind, but, you know, sometimes we're no better when it comes down to to the truth, right? We can get these preconceived ideas, just as they did, that this is what God wants, or this is really what I want, and this is what I think is the best solution and the best, you know, for me and or, or my household or whatever, and sometimes God's answers are quite different from our answers. And that's hard. That's hard for us to understand. That's hard for us to allow God to be God. And so it's something that we all we all uh, wrestle with. I'm going to jump forward again a little bit and go to then Jesus, of course, teaches the people on the Mount of Olives. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. When he seated with his disciples, he opened his mouth and say, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit. I mean, we could spend a long time just on the Beatitudes, right? <laughs> and he, but, but the focus here was Jesus was speaking to them about heart issues rather than the letter of the law. I came to fulfill the law, and he tells them that here. He says, every jot and tittle of the law, not one of it's going to, be unfulfilled because he was the perfect fulfillment of all of it. And so he talks to them about their hearts. And then at the end of that, he tells them that the emphasis here is not about doing. You know, the Pharisees, they were all about the pretense and what it looked like. As long as it looked right and they wore the right clothes, had their phylacteries, went and prayed and put their money in so everybody could see that they put it in and you know as long as they had the 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 appearance thing going they were okay (laughs) and jesus is like no it's about your heart what's going on in there what's going on in there and then he says to them it's not about what you do it's 
it's about whether you take my word and 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 do it. it you understand? It's about your heart. And so he he gives them that little illustration about the the two houses, one built on the rock and one built on sand. And the the storms of life they come. And if we're on the rock, Christ Jesus, then we're and and he compares that to hearing the word of God and doing it. And in that, of course, we have the prayer, the model prayer that Jesus, the disciples come and say to him, the Lord teach us to pray. He says to them, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogue on the corners of the streets that they may be seen. Okay, that was their, that was their ritual. They would stop and offer prayers where everybody could see them and hear them and say, oh, you know, that guy, he really prays, you know. That's, that's not the kind of prayer that God was looking for. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. That, he's, that guy's got his reward already. But you, when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut the door, pray to your Father, who is in the secret place. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. In other words, your prayers will be answered in a way that is evident to everyone. Whether, but you don't have to go and, and, and shout your prayers on the on the corner, and so to speak. For she, and he, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Again, something we need to take to heart. It's not about how many words and if we got the words all right. Do not be like them, he says. This is how to approach God, our Father, in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And I've talked to you about this many times because of this is very dear to my heart. I believe that this is such a lost piece in our world, how to approach God. Our approach to God, for the most part, is arrogant and, again, filled with our own ideas of how God should should answer. And, 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 and Jesus sets it straight here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, your charge. You're holy. I don't have the the same perspective you do. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And as I've said to you many times, the first, the majority of this prayer is about God and His kingdom, not about us and our kingdom. And as soon as we get that, that it's about God and it's about His kingdom coming to earth in our lives, personally. Changes our lives. Changes our living. It's not about us. God's not... God God can use anyone. He can use a donkey if he needs to. It's not about us and our kingdom being built up and us becoming healthy, wealthy, and wise. It's about God's kingdom coming and our ability to line up with him. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, this is a point of consecration. And our 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 Christian world doesn't uh, like to teach that anymore. That there's a point that, that we need to surrender, that we need to we need to consecrate ourselves to our Lord and Savior wholeheartedly and not try and share the throne with him. You know? We're, we're okay with him kind of being our Lord, as long as we can kind of sit on the throne and like say, you know, Lord, you really need to do it this way, and you know, Lord, you really need to, you know, we're okay with that. But for us to get off the throne and let God be on the throne, 
Hmm, that's a little harder, isn't it? Yet this is what this teaches us. On earth as it is in heaven, then give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Prior to this, or right after this, Jesus talks, or right after this, Jesus talks about not worrying about the daily stuff. That as we belong to him, he's our provider. And it says not to worry. And yet, how many of us have spent time worrying about over, over daily stuff? Well, that's, that's just sinful. When we belong to him, we've got to stop it. We've got to stop worrying about the daily and just trust him. As we forgive our, and forgive us our debts as we, trespasses or debts as we forgive our debtors. And, you know, again, it's a huge lesson, isn't it? To walk in forgiveness. To walk in forgiveness. That's what, that's what Jesus did and that's what he calls us to, to do. And then deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. I tell you that if you would take this every day and use this as a model prayer, as, as the guideline to fit your, the things that you're praying about into this prayer, it'll change. It'll change your, it'll change your life. You'll see, God's answers will, will come. For you, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. Okay, so there we have that. Yes, and then came, and then comes. Uh, let's see. This is in um, Matthew seven. I judge not that you be not judged, and ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and shall be opened unto you. Again, there we have that concept of. Asking, seeking, knocking, and it's and it gets applied to the Holy Spirit. Where to come? It's it's a request the Father can't deny. The Holy Spirit, because it's been outpoured. Then Jesus says in in verse twenty three in Matthew seven, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Here we see something that is very, very serious. It's not about what people say, and it's not necessarily the signs and wonders. What is God looking at? Looking at the heart. It's about our heart. That's a serious message, isn't it? Many will say, Lord, I cast out demons and I prophesied in your name. And he's going to have to say, I never knew you. Wow. Shows us that number one priority for us is keep our heart right with God. Walk with God in truth and sincerity. You know, our human nature likes the signs and wonders and the people who are running around prophesying. But who wants to make sure their heart is in the right place before God. Remember the Old Testament where it said his eyes ran to and fro throughout the whole earth. For looking for what? Looking for somebody's heart that was loving him, that was right before him. He found David, didn't he? Man after his own heart. I'm telling you, it's about the heart. Just like we read what, a couple of years ago in Eldridge's book where the focus was all about our heart and how our heart is and where our heart is. That's it. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them 
I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house. It did not fall. It was founded on the rock. That's for those who will keep their heart in that humble place before God, have their heart right, and not be worried about the other stuff. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. My dad used to tell a story about uh, one of the one of the great ministers from the turn of the century who was visiting in another pastor's home, and he got up in the night and he happened to see the man's light was on. And so in the morning he said, oh, did you sleep well? He said to him, oh, yes, he said. He said, I, I got up in the night, I happened to see your light was on. I was hoping everything was okay. He said to him, oh, he said, he said, I was just going through the commands of Jesus to make sure that I was still doing them. That was the idea. And it was, it spoke so loudly to the man's heart and he and that's, that, that, that's, that's a lesson for us to learn. That's what Jesus wanted. He wanted us to, to know what he said, hear what he said, and do it. And that's, that's our focus, that our hearts are being obedient to his word. And I think that's where we're going to stop for today. And we'll pick up again next week. But meanwhile, let's put our hearts in that right place with him. And keep on embracing his word, loving his word. We don't have to be discouraged if we blow it or <laughs> need to get back on track or get off track it's human nature we all we all sometimes just get off track but we have a holy spirit to come and infill us help us teach us get us back in we just lord my heart i want my heart to be right with you and walk humbly with my god hallelujah thank you lord for your truth help us to embrace it choose to embrace it on a daily basis that we'll be able to bring those words of life to all that come across our pathway. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.